It's time for episode 433 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, January 12, 2022. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, where we deliver your tech podcast in 30 minutes or it's cold. My name is Dan Morin, and I am joined across the internet by my good friend, my pal, my dungeon buddy, it's Micah Sargent. Hello, Micah. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm chilly. Chilly Billy. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But doing okay otherwise. I got on fast. Okay. (laughs) I mean, is that not my brand? It is. It is. It's the clockwise guarantee. We will be weird in less than 30 seconds from starting the show. (laughs) Uh, But we'll be weird with two fantastic guests. To my left this week, it is the developer of fabulous apps such as PCalc and the roller of fabulous dice such as Dice by PCalc. It's James Thompson. Welcome back, James. Oh, thank you. Uh, somebody seems to be wielding a hammer inside our building, and they are definitely not worthy. So I apologize in advance. <laughs> uh, to my left is the co-host of Rocket right here on Relay FM, as well as a senior video producer at Polygon. It is delightful weirdo Simone de Rochefort. <laughs> Hello, Simone. Yeah. I was going to say, if you guys are being weird, you're really stepping on my brand. I think I was doing it before any of you. But thank you for the lovely intro. You're very welcome. Well, we can all be weird together. And we can start with one topic that's actually probably not that weird. Sorry, I really (laughs) promised more than I could deliver there. I want to know what was the last piece of tech you bought to improve your work from home experience? And did you actually find it helpful, James? Uh, Well, I've been working from this home for... Oh, over 22 years now. So uh, my work nest is already pretty well feathered. Uh, <laughs> but I think the last thing I bought was a pair of Netgear Orbi mesh Wi-Fi 6 routers to improve mm. the signal throughout the house. And while they succeeded on that one single front, I hate them with a fiery passion <laughs> and <laughs> daily resent the many hundreds of pounds that I spent on them. Um, for a start, they failed at the first hurdle. And couldn't create a mesh network from one side of my apparently lead-lined apartment <laughs> to the other. And uh, so I had to keep the existing Ethernet lead, which runs under the carpet in the hallway. They don't play well with my printer or my HomeKit devices. You can't turn off the 2.4 gigahertz band. And they're nowhere near as configurable as the thing they replaced. And I hate them. And I'm sorry if Netgear is a sponsor of this episode. Uh <laughs> But I can only hope that Apple gets back into the router business someday. One can hope. Um, so I've used a lot of different audio interfaces uh, for my, my home setup, including a very expensive Mix Pre device, one that uses uh, a Thunderbolt cable to connect to the Mac uh, that had all these fancy things for like making adjustments to how your voice can be uh, processed, and um, originally a US 2x2 or US 2x2 uh, interface. And I ended up um, switching from that one to uh, the Mix Pre, which gave me so many issues, so many issues. And I just, I hated the thing. I'd have to power cycle it every single time if I wanted to use it. It was so annoying. I finally replaced it. I thought, oh, you know, this is kind of like it's for for Twitch streamers. It might not be very good. It's not going to sound good. They're going to be... But I decided to get the Elgato Wave XL 
R, which is a USB, at least 3.0 with USB-C connections, um, uh, audio interface, XLR interface. And this thing is delightful. Um, it has absolutely helped my work from home setup. Uh, not only is it great, it has a capacitive um, mute button on the top. So that way you can't hear there's no you know button pressing or anything like that whenever you press the, the mute button. Um, it also has this great, uh, just gigantic knob on the front that you can turn up and down and then you just push it to switch between the different modes. Um, and it's got all the, the stuff that you would expect. But what I love is that in the software, the configurable software, you can add audio inputs uh, directly via the Wave XLR. And so your computer doesn't even have the opportunity to kind of get confused whenever you're trying to route audio because it just takes what the Wave XLR has set as the audio as the audio. And that's very helpful for me with the shows that I do from home, uh, particularly for the Twit podcasts that I do. So yes, I have found this thing to be incredibly delightful, uh, despite the fact that I was a little bit sketched out by it thinking, oh, it, you know, it's not going to be as premium as uh, what I'm used to. No, it has been as premium as what I'm used to. It works very well and sounds great. All right, Simone, what about you? It is fascinating to hear y'all talk about this because I know you have all been working from home or home-like situations <laughs> for much longer than me. I've only been doing this since, oh, March of 2020. Huh. <laughs> uh, so I feel way behind the times here. Uh, we actually did get a stipend at my job for to spend on work from home stuff. And most of my coworkers invested in just like the the raw basics, like new desks that are ergonomic and can rise and lower or um, monitor arms or mesh desk chairs, things like that. I, because I'm a person who will work in squalor and discomfort for years <laughs> before I think to improve my situation, I haven't decided yet. And I think part of that is because I have a, a, an innate resistance to turning like fully converting my home into some kind of office. I don't want any of that stuff to be like visible in the common living area. And there's no gosh darn room for it in my bedroom. And that's the only other space I have. I will say if I did invest in something that would that was specifically tech, not necessarily like a desk that would meaningfully change my life, it would probably be a teleprompter because that's something like and not, you know, I have an iPad, so I could technically put a teleprompter app on there, but a proper teleprompter that would fit over the camera so that you could still look into the lens and like read lines off it. That would definitely be a game changer for the um home filming situation would probably cut down my recording time by a lot. Um, <laughs> but I'm resisting. I'm resisting still. What about you, Dan? Well, uh, the last thing that I actually bought, and something else prompted this question, but I'll get to that at the end. The last thing I actually bought were a pair of new speakers uh, for my iMac because my older ones had sort of started to buzz and they weren't working as well. And so I bought this nice pair of speakers based on a wire cutter recommendation and received them and realized these are way too nice for what I need them for, which is like <laughs> editing the occasional podcast. That's basically it. But they are very nice. 
nice. I've kept them and they've been great. Um, I, I like editing without headphones on if possible because I spend so much other time in the day wearing headphones. It just gets uncomfortable. Uh, and they cut down on the amount of wires that were going in and out of the computer, which is also nice because they don't have a subwoofer or anything like that. So that's been a pretty good uh, improvement to my work at home situation. And they, they're okay for playing the occasional music as well. Uh, but this morning I noticed that uh, uh, Logitech, I think, has uh, released or is releasing a new um, LED light for uh, video um, that you put on your computer. You can sort of clip it on and it's just one of those ones with a changeable uh, light uh, temperature and stuff like color temperature and all that. And I have this really sort of uh, cheapo book light that I'm basically using for that purpose, but I've noticed it's not really doing the job well enough. And so I saw this pop up this morning for like 60 bucks. I was like, oh, 60 bucks. I will try that and uh, see how it goes, see if we can improve the uh, occasion that I need to be on video because I don't have a great video setup at home. Um, so I obviously don't have that yet, so I can't report back yet, but it was the sort of thing that prompted me like, oh yeah, we're all we're all making these improvements and kind of trying to get by and I'm curious to know. And now I have a shopping list for, for other stuff too. <laughs> uh, thank you all for your responses on that topic. Let's go to our second topic today, which comes from James. So I was extremely lucky to get an Xbox Series X for my Christmas. And I've signed up for Microsoft's Game Pass subscription service. And it seems to be a much better deal than Apple Arcade. Uh, but I also find it a bit overwhelming because there's hundreds and hundreds of games on there. How do you deal with choice paralysis on subscription services like this? And do you think that they make you value the individual items on the services less? It can be tough. Uh I like some of the suggestions for things. Uh, some some of the sort of suggestion engines that exist out there are helpful for me. Uh, but a lot of times it comes down to uh, what people are recommending over anything else. And then occasionally it's just like, oh, yeah, I gave that a try and I liked it. I think lowering the sort of barrier, which is very difficult for folks who are optimizers, I guess is the best way to put it. And so you want to make it so that every moment that you're spending doing a thing is a moment that's worthwhile. And so that can be kind of tough where you're going, I don't want to waste my time on this. And so I don't know if I should try it. So then you just kind of wait and then you realize, holy moly, I'm wasting my time by not doing any of the things. Uh, and so you kind of have to have that realization and go, you know what, let's just give a little taste. We'll just dip our toe into a few different things and see what works. As as far as uh, making me value the individual items less, um, probably it does. And I may, you know, start to take these things for granted in a way. But at the same time, it does mean that we have more options and choices than we've ever had before. And I would prefer to have more options than fewer options that don't quite line up with what I enjoy. Uh, more options so I can find the things that I do enjoy versus fewer where I just go, oh, actually, none of this is for me. Simone, what are your thoughts? For me, I, I think what helps me with the question of oversaturation and choice is flipping the question to not what's on Xbox Game Pass, but rather what do I want to play or what do I need to play? And then checking to see if it's on Game Pass. Mm. Um, I think that that really helps me uh, when I'm confronting the massive, massive backlog that I have. Um, and then also relying on friends. Um, long way of saying, I ask other people what I should do and I do what they tell me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as to whether it, whether I devalue the games because of it, 
I don't think so because the games that I end up investing a lot of the games that I end up investing time in, I tend to go pretty hard on. Um, uh, don't say hard on on Clockwise Simone. God, <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> but I've done it now. But I, I think it, it does definitely lead to a sense of oversaturation and kind of futility when you're facing down that, you know, that wider industry of of games and choices that you need to make. It definitely feels overwhelming, but I don't think it has made me over or devalue the games uh, that exist and that I play. I I think it is overwhelming for sure. And it's certainly on other streaming services as well, especially video streaming services. There's just too much stuff. And I, you know, you know, as a, I remember as a teenager, we used to go uh, like my friends and I, it was like Friday night, we're like, we're rent a movie. We go to Blockbuster. We literally spend the length of a movie in the store trying to decide what movie to watch. And it's the same experience now. It's just endlessly scrolling through <laughs> menus instead. Um, but I haven't left the house. So I, I definitely think there is an element of devaluing things because you try. Your your time is valuable, and I think especially as you get older, you're like, oh, I just don't have the time to watch things. If I'm going to commit to watching something for you know two hours or even a series that goes on for ten hours or more, I really want to make sure that it's like something good. And I think that the downside to that is it means I miss out on a lot of stuff that maybe is good because I don't you know at first blush want to want to try it out. Games are kind of tough too because they they are a big time investment. But I found that my gaming like sort of appetite has decreased a lot. Like I have, there's very little I've played on Apple Arcade. I was just looking through yesterday to see what was new and thinking, I remember the last Apple Arcade game I played. Um, and on the Xbox side, I tend to take so long to play games now uh, that it just it, it ends up being something where it's like when something pops up, it's finally like, oh yeah, I heard about that like six months ago. That now it's free, great, free, quote unquote. <laughs> um, <laughs> I am, however, currently playing the new Halo game, which is on Game Pass and is actually new but i'm sure i'll be done with that by roughly 2024 or so uh <laughs> james why don't you wrap this up for us so i asked the question of course because i don't have a good answer um i i do a lot better if you ask me to choose between two things rather than 20 things or 200 things and what do you want to watch is a pretty common question in this household and once you've exhausted the well of current shows that you're watching week by week you know we start the usual dance of going into half a dozen different streaming apps scrolling for a bit, ultimately choosing nothing, and then re-watching some comforting sci-fi show from decades ago. I've resigned myself to that, it's fine. But with games, it feels a bit more stressful, like I should be valuing them more. I'm used to paying 50 quid for a single game, and now I just have access to all the games. And I paid up front for three years of Game Pass, so it all feels effectively free now. So what I'm finding is that I'm happy to just give a game like half an hour and if it's not grabbing me from the start, I'll just dump it and move on. You know, you can stream the games as well before installing them locally. So it's pretty quick to try things out. Mm. I, but yeah, I just feel bad, you know, because some developers poured their heart and soul into a project for five years. And I just look at it and go, nah, if I don't like the <laughs> shoes the main character is wearing or something. Um, if I was spending the money directly on the titles, I would probably feel more invested and I would probably keep playing them more. So, you know, sorry, developers. Um, I will say I did originally write down that Game Pass was my first uh, subscription service because I entirely forgot I had a subscription to Apple Arcade. <laughs> tell, tell us everything that you need to know. Uh, all right. That is two topics down, two topics left to go, which, of course, means it's halftime here at Clockwise. And to tell you about this week's sponsor, I'm going to throw it over to Micah. Uh, yes, because it's time to talk about text expander from Smile, my fave. 
Now, I've got a question for you. What would you do with more hours every month? Well, repetitive typing, those little mistakes you make whenever you're typing those repetitive things and uh, searching for answers, they're all taking precious time away from you and your team. With Text Expander, you can take that time back so you can focus on what matters most in your business. And hey, it's not just for business folks. It can be for individuals too. In fact, I, as an individual, love Text Expander. But the focus focus here is on teams. So if you are thinking about uh, trying to help your team be more productive or help your team uh, cut back on mistakes and things like that, or try to find what they're supposed to respond with, Text Expander can help you with that. It can keep your message consistent. It can save time and it will let you be accurate every time. Look, the way we work is changing rapidly. So what you need to do is make work happen wherever you are by saying more in less time and with less effort using Text Expander. You don't have to copy and paste repetitive responses again. Instead, with Text Expander, your knowledge will always be at your fingertips with a quick search or an abbreviation. So you want to drop your commonly used content into a Text Expander snippet and give it an abbreviation. Uh, so I, for example, uh, when I worked at Mobile Nations, uh, was writing, and we had to have kind of a standard template for some of the articles that we do. So instead of having to go and copy and paste that from, you know, a text file or Google Doc or somewhere else, I created a text expander snippet. All I did was create this short abbreviation. I think it was like semicolon article. And then all I had to do was uh, type semicolon article and the whole thing would pop in and it'd be ready and put my cursor right where I needed it and let me start uh, writing what I wanted to write. You can share your snippet with your entire team. All you do is just type a few characters characters to trigger that snippet. That's what I was just talking about, that semicolon and then a word. And the content expands anywhere you type. It's that easy. Plus, you nerds out there are going to love this too, because there's so much customization. That's where I have a lot of fun with it. There are uh, ways to add uh, scripting. Um, I've got one that will take um, short URLs and go ahead and expand them for me. Uh, I do one for Clockwise that uh, helps me draft the tweet that we send out whenever I'm publishing the show. Uh, and so it'll let me choose uh, the, the the person that's on the show or the people that are on the show and, and uh, properly drop in those Twitter uh, UR, those Twitter handles. It's very handy. I use Text Expander every single day. And those scripting ability, the automation ability that's built in is amazing. And it's available on Mac. It's available on Windows, Chrome, iPhone, iPad. As a listener of Clockwise, this is pretty wild. You can get 20% off your first year. So visit textexpander.com slash podcast to learn more about Text Expander. That's textexpander.com slash podcast. And of course, our thanks to Text Expander for this, uh, for their support of this show and of Relay FM. All right, we are back from the break and it is my turn. My question for you is, if you could have a non-watch wearable, what kind of wearable would you have and what would it be used to track? Simone? Okay, so let me preface this with I meant to look this up to see if it exists first. I didn't have time to do that. So for all I know, I did invent this. It's my idea and no one else can have it. I want a mood ring that actually like has a weather reader in it and will show you in a giant gem on your finger the temperature that it is the real <laughs> weather temperature and maybe little tiny forecasts maybe you can have some sort of like apple watch-esque crown that you can twist to see ah oh, that you can cycle through future forecasts for the next hour 
hours, the plural, days, that would rule. Okay, yes, I want a little mood ring that actually tells the weather. I, I think that's awesome. Also, I would add to it if I can twist it to adjust the weather. That would be even better. Thank you. Ooh. Um, yeah, okay, I'll consider that. The box. <laughs> um, I was thinking about this, and I think the thing for me is um, smart shoes. Uh, and the reason I want smart shoes is that I deal with some chronic foot problems, and a lot of times it's caused by, like, my shoes are wearing out and I don't pay attention. Uh, and I know there's lots of other ways you can sort of track that and write down when you got your shoes, but uh, I need to know about the mileage. I want to know how much I've I've traveled in these shoes. So I want smart shoes that not only track how much I've walked in them, but also can, like tell when certain parts of my feet are getting like too much usage or something like that it's like oh you know this part's wearing out in the front you're you might have some trouble with like sort of the ball of your foot or the heel of your foot or something like that so i feel like this is the best old man answer that i can possibly come up with uh but you know what i'm going with it wearable smart shoes (laughs) james so like simone i was actually thinking about rings as well uh i was somewhat tempted by the smart rings out there that can do like payments and fitness tracking um, though I don't think the sensors in them were quite as good as the watches and they don't do Apple pay and stuff, but I, it would be nice to have something more lightweight that I wouldn't have to think about as much. Um, having said that I would immediately lose it somewhere and then, then not be able to get home. Uh, so <laughs> just forget it and just give me the headset and whole body haptic suit so I can go, <laughs> f- uh, full dystopian metaverse on this reality. I don't know. So this is the problem with mine. I don't know if it's going to be like a wearable ring for my uvula or if it's going to be something that you swallow entirely and you wear it inside of your stomach. But I just I'm trying to figure out some way that I could track all of the different nutrient information for the things that I consume in a given day. Because I've talked before about how I begrudgingly consume food because the idea of having to consume food for the sake of staying alive annoys me. Um, That's not to say I don't like food and like tastes. I do. I just wish that I didn't have to do it for the sake of staying alive. And so if I had some way of truly tracking without all the work that you have to do with, you know, like one of those uh, nutrition apps, um, truly tracking my intakes there and be able to quantify kind of like, oh, I I thought that I was getting my necessary daily intake with the meals that I'm consuming, but it turns out I could use more folic acid because there's a wearable, I get, like I said, like a, a little watch that sits on my uvula that doesn't make me choke every time uh, as it's like scanning the food I consume. That would be so cool. So I don't know what that actually looks like, but that's the only place I could think of a wearable going uh, that made sense for that kind of tracking. In any case, thank you for your answers to that topic. Let us move to our final show topic, which comes from Simone. It's been years since I've actually had a printer in my home. Do you guys know if printers are good now? Like, have they changed? And if you have one, how how useful is it to you? What do you do with that thing? Uh, Dan, what do you do? I, I print things, Simone. I thought we covered this. What? <laughs> uh, I do have a printer. It's a kind of an old laser printer. It's a multifunction that's got a flatbed scanner in it, too, because it was bought many, many, many years ago, and I haven't bothered to replace it. The reason I have this this printer uh, is actually as a result of puzzle solving, um, because it is actually the printer that is for my mystery MIT Mystery Hunt puzzle solving team, uh, and I am the custodian of it. But it's great for when you want to solve puzzles occasionally, because sometimes you just need to print that stuff out. Uh, and it's handy, but I 
don't use it that often. However, it is a brother printer and I, I really like it. It's held up very, very well. Uh, it's printed a lot of pages without me having to replace the toner too many times. So yeah, I mean, I, it's something that I wish I didn't need as much as I do, but it's, it's certainly its use has been dwindling in the past several years. James, what about you? I have an ancient HP Office Jet multifunction printer. Generally works reliably, although won't connect to my awful Wi-Fi network, can't print onto thick paper, the user interface is terrible, <laughs> and it gets really upset that I don't want an app store on my printer. Uh, I'm also reasonably confident that it's been hacked by now and is probably mining cryptocurrency as we speak, uh, but it still does the job, so I can't really justify spending the money on something newer. Plus, I'm sure by now printers are even smarter, and I'm making disdainful quotation marks around the word. Uh, it's it's useful for printing like postage, return labels, the occasional photo, business paperwork, but I'm using it less and less these days. Save yourself, don't buy one, and don't buy a 3D printer either because the problems multiply with the extra dimensions. <laughs> I do a lot of uh, crochet and knitting, and also I do a lot of cooking and baking. I know, it's weird. doesn't like food, but there's a lot of cooking and baking. I like to cook and bake for other people. I do have a printer for those things. What's funny is I bought this printer, I can remember sometime in college. Uh, it's a fax machine. It's a, a flatbed scanner. It's a printer. And I have had to, on two occasions, completely flush the thing with like 99 0.9% isopropyl alcohol because it was uh, because the print heads had like solidified after having not been used for so long. It works okay. Um, the prints, unfortunately, these days are kind of lopsided. So it's just it's ridiculous, but it's fine for me because I don't need the page to be perfectly uh, up and down or, or perfectly aligned in the middle of the thing for whatever it is that I'm doing. The recipe cards can be a little wonky and the um, crochet and knit patterns uh, can also be a little bit wonky. And uh, I just live with it. But yeah, I think printers are one of those things you just live with if you need it. And you go, I know this is going to give me trouble, but uh, it's it, 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 it works, I guess. It, it makes things. Uh, Simone, what are your thoughts? Are you going to get a printer now? You're going to get lots of uh, emails, I'm sure, on like, this is the printer you have to get. Oh yeah, the the ad algorithms are already kicking into action. Uh, <laughs> this it's interesting to hear you all talk about it because you've hit on something that I kind of suspected, which is that I mean, you all have older printers. And to me, when I think about printers and uh, like you said, James, quote unquote, smart printers, it seems like printers are in that, you know, toilet paper area where we did it right the first time. We, what what improvements? Maybe there are improvements we could make to toilet paper and printers, but I cannot envision them. It kind of came out good enough, you know? Um, I was just reading about uh, these Canon printers that because of the chip shortage, uh, their DRM is kicking in and not recognizing Canon ink cartridges, which really just to me, it seems like it encapsulates the whole problem with smart printers. Like it, we don't need to complexify them. They don't need apps and DRM for cartridges and things like that. That only makes them worse. And they were already a pain in the butt to use in the first place. Um, I genuinely don't use printers very often. I think I, I use them at tax season. 
when I went into the office, it was nice to have them there. But uh, recently, not recently, in October, when I went to visit my dad in Europe, I did need a printer to print out all of the documentation that airports like you to have all the little affidavits you need to sign to say that you don't have COVID Mm. and you have multiple vaccines and here's a QR code that I'm going to make you print out on a piece of paper for no reason. Um, I just ended up going down to the copy shop on the corner and printing them there, which was fine, except I printed two pages there for a shipping label the other day and they charged me three twenty five. Oh my word. (laughs) Which seems like (laughs) excessive. So I went home and I got a, package of dimes that i had and one of those five dollar rolls of dimes and i painstakingly counted them out on the counter not to be a jerk but just because i didn't have any other cash um and i think that's the future that i'm gonna live with because i would rather count three dollars out worth of dimes in a copy shop on the corner than invest in what will at this point be a clunky smart device in my home because that's what exists so that's how i feel about it well said uh, that's four topics down. We've got well just said. enough time for a bonus topic. Um, we got to do it super fast today. So I want to know what is the coldest place you have ever been, James? I think it was actually here in Glasgow back in 95. It got down to minus 17 centigrade, 1.4 Fahrenheit. And that's when we found out why you don't put the server room underneath the bathrooms. <laughs> um, in Missouri, when the polar vortexes come a couple of times, it would get very, very cold, uh, wind chill of like negative 10. And uh, that's definitely one of those everything on your body that's fluid will freeze if it touches the air situations. Simone, what about you? Uh, I don't know, because I don't have my weather-sensing ring on. (laughs) What about you, Dan? Uh, I went to Iceland, which is a lovely place, but I went in February. I don't recommend that. It's very, 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 very cold, and I was up on a glacier, which was actually not the coldest part of Iceland. Um, Anyway... Uh, thank you for all your thoughts on that. We have reached the end of the show, and all that remains is for us to thank our fantastic guest this week, James Thompson. Thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you to the builders for remaining quiet. And Simone de Rochefort, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me again. And Micah will be back next week. But until then, we remind everybody listening out there, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody.